0: Good morning. How's everybody? Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Chris, you want to pray for us? Amen. All right. Revelation chapter 16. Revelation 16. We, uh, Who remembers what we talked about last week? Anybody? Had an overview right of where we've come been a long time since we did this before COVID started I think our last class was first week of March maybe 2020 so we did the overview we're right here in Luke chapter 16 verse 15 and we're talking about the tribulation so we've already talked about all these other things we've already talked about all these other things and we're up here to the end of the great tribulation And we're here at these vials being poured out. So let's read Revelation 16. I know we're at 15, but I'm going to start at the beginning of the chapter and get us up to where we are. And we'll pretty much be done, maybe today or next Sunday, with the tribulation. Thank the Lord. A whole lot of stuff going on here. And we'll be getting into something else after that, okay? All right, and I heard a great voice. This is Revelation 16, 1. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and pour out the vials of wrath of God upon the earth. All right, so we remember that we started with seven, if I remember, seals. Remember there was a book with seven seals. And Jesus was breaking open these seals. And as he broke open the seals, certain things happened. And he got to the seventh seal. And that contained the seven trumpets. And these angels came out. And as they blew these trumpets, seven of them, certain things happened. Now we're at the seven vials in Revelation chapter 16 here. Okay? So we're in the seventh. We're in the first vial of the seventh trumpet of the seventh seal. (laughs) And when we get to this verse today, if we get that far, we probably will. We'll be in the last vial. So... Does anybody remember, is it getting better or is it getting worse? It's getting worse, okay? And these vials are terrible. So as we read these, this scripture, just think about this. Verse 2 says, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Now that's something we've already studied. So we understand that as best we can. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. So then, you know, we kind of talked about when we talked about that. Is is this literal or is it symbolic? What do you think? Because I'm sure nobody probably remembers what we said exactly. Why is there a reason to think it's symbolic? There's nothing here that makes you think this is symbolic. But if you, hey, watch the commentaries you read and the people you hear preach on this because they turn everything into a symbol, even heaven and hell, even Satan. A lot of people don't believe in a literal, literal Satan. It says at the end of verse 3, every living soul in the sea died. It's bad enough that... You can't go out and get fish and things like that. But we also talked about the stench. Can you imagine everything in the sea dying and floating to the top? The stench that would cause. You know, you don't really think about that. Somebody kind of brought that out, and we, we talked about it. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and fountains of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters Say that's a very interesting phrase the angel of the waters. We talked about that too. Say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be. Johnny, there's there's your there's your meditation this morning. Because thou hast judged thus, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him the glory. It's amazing to me. These angels, look at, their, look at what they're saying. They're saying, verse 5, thou art Righteous. Lord, your judgments are righteous. And then the one in verse seven says, "True and righteous are thy judgment, but men here on this earth blaspheme God, and repent not to give him the glory. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seed of the beast. Who's that? The beast? The Antichrist, the man in, in pretty much worldwide authority. And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. <laughs> and guess what else they did? And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and repented not of their deeds. This is nothing new. Men do this today. I've heard people do it myself. Why would God create evil in the world? Why is God allowing me to go through this? Why would a righteous God do this? And some things, you know, we just don't have an answer to. But sometimes we need to look and see, well, what did we cause as mankind? And this is, a lot of this is coming on ourselves. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up. It will be very important later. That the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And this is pretty much where we ended last time, these next couple of verses. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs. Now that's symbolic. Not the spirits, but they weren't frogs. It says like frogs. Frogs. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. Who's that? Satan. And out of the mouth of the beast, Warren, who is that? The Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet, who's that? The false prophet. <laughs> <laughs> figure somebody say the pope but uh um, no i mean you know people a lot of people think that who knows the false prophet if you remember is the antichrist religious leader that one world religion he's the leader and he's the one he's the one that does a lot of those miracles and makes people worship the image of the beast and if they don't he has them killed okay that's who the false prophet is For they are the spirits of devils, working miracles, which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world. Now, why? Notice the next phrase. To gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty, the battle of Armageddon. So now we're getting down to the end of it. These spirits are going out and they're going to work to gather these armies together at Armageddon. Verse 15 says, well, that's where we are. Okay, all right, good. Verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Now, let's read this real quick without verse 15. Look at verse 14. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 16. And he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Doesn't that flow? So what in the world is verse 15 doing stuck right in the middle of these verses talking about utter destruction and the battle of Armageddon? Why would the Holy Spirit lead John to pin this down? You ever thought of that? Because verse 14 and verse 16 are talking about the same thing. But we have verse 15 stuck right in the middle of it. Isn't that just like the Lord? To give encouragement in times of trouble. Now, I can't remember exactly. I liked it much better when I could look at it on my computer. So verse 15 is a message to the, I'm going to phrase it, Christian believers during this time. How many are there? I don't know. But there are some. It's kind of the same thing with promises in the Gospels and the Epistles talking about the church. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. You know, He says that at the end of, of the Bible. But then in the, in the Epistles and the Gospels, it talks about an imminent return for the church. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. It's, I think it's a similar. Okay. I think it's a similar thing. But at this point, this is something very interesting to me. The rapture's already happened. But there are believers during this time who came to Christ. We don't know how. I don't understand how. And they refuse the mark of the beast, and they will not worship his image, and they go through bitter persecution. And Jesus says to them, you're blessed. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So he's saying, I have not forgotten you. I've got my eye on you. You know, a lot of times when we go through things, we think God's forgot about us. And sometimes it feels that way. Now, if you want to, if you, if you'd like to say that you never experienced that, things are always great for you, that's fine. They're not for me. There are times when I go, th- go through things in my life, and I, I I think, Lord, what what are you doing? And there are times I go through through things in my life, and I've said this before. I've been through things in my life before, and I've I've thought, Am I even saved? <laughs> So, imagine the bitter persecution these people are going through. But Jesus tells John to pin down a phrase that says, I have not forgotten about you. All you've been through is going to be worth it. So, a lot of this stuff, I've said this before, is for people that will get the slides that aren't part of the class. There's phrases in here that talk about and we've talked about before. He's going to come back and get these. My question is when? (laughs) And guess what? The Bible's silent. I mean, think about it. We all think about the church. The church gets raptured out, right? Okay? If you die before the rapture, you go to heaven. If you're saved... But you don't get your glorified body until the rapture. Okay? All right. A lot of people are looking at me sideways. So let's clear this up. (laughs) Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There is no purgatory. I reject purgatory. There is none. When you die, you go to one or the other. Heaven or hell. There is no paradise anymore. Okay? When Jesus rose from the dead, that was the end of that. You go to heaven, you go to hell. If you die before the rapture, you go to heaven. Do you have a human body or are you a spirit? Exactly what I thought. Which one? Yeah, and I just said you don't get you, your body till the rapture. <laughs> if you die before the rapture, you go, to, you go to heaven, it is your spiritual self. But when the rapture occurs, you get your glorified body. Okay? Everybody understand that? So if you're alive when the rapture occurs, occurs I can't explain it. But you're caught up and get your body all at the same time. If you have died in the past and your body's in the ground, it talks about those that are dead shall rise first, their glorified body. Now they have their glorified body. Okay? Are y'all getting this? Okay? Do you remember when Jesus rose from the dead? Right after he rose from the dead, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. And she wanted to hug all over him. And and do you remember what he told her? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. I haven't been glorified. Several days later, he appears where the disciples are meeting. And guess what he says? Have at it. Something had changed. Okay? Now, this is important because we've got a lot of these theories out here, and a lot of our kids know nothing about this. I've taught Sunday school, kids Sunday school before, and they talk about their, their loved ones getting their wings. I got news for you. We don't become angels, angels are different beings. Okay? I don't know how I got off on this. So. <laughs> oh the people in the tribulation so if you die before the rapture you're a spirit at the rapture you get your glorified body the rapture's over the antichrist signs a treaty with israel and the tribulation starts and for seven years the tribulation endures people are saved during the tribulation so here's a question for you when do they get their glorified bodies They're on earth. They're saved. But when do they get their glorified bodies? Let me tell you when. I don't know. (laughs) The Bible is silent. I think Misty's upset at me. (laughs) She was really listening. And when I said, I don't know, she looked over yonder with some smirk on her face. But something has to happen. The Bible's completely silent on this matter. So as long as whatever you want to think, it's fine with me, as long as it matches up with the Bible. But the only thing I can think of is that there's another rapture at some point. They have to get their glorified bodies at some time. They cannot dwell in human bodies for the rest of eternity. At some point, they have to get their glorified bodies. And that's what this verse is talking about. So something happens. I don't know what it is. But Jesus says, I haven't forgotten about you. You're in the middle of all this tribulation. You're in the middle of all this destruction. But I got my eye right on you, and I got a plan for you. So it's very encouraging. Revelation 16, 16. And he gathered them together into a place. In the Hebrew tongue, called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now, this is another thing that people don't know anything about. Because if you watch movies on this stuff, and it talks about the end of time, you know, the the earth is getting destroyed, the world's being destroyed, it's Armageddon. Guess what? That's not Armageddon. Armageddon is not the end of the world. Armageddon is a battle. That's it. That's all it is. It's a battle. The earth is going to continue for quite some time after that. It's not the end of time. It's just a battle. The battle of Armageddon. And he gathered them together into a place. Who's them? Anybody know? What's that? Well, look at verse 14. We're talking about verse 14 and verse 16 being flowing right together. These spirits go out working miracles. Who do they go out to? The kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So we're going to have a separate class just on the battle of Armageddon. So I'm not going to cover that right now. But it's a battle. It's not the end of time. Guess what? We need to be teaching our kids this stuff. Why do our kids not know this stuff? I'm not going to put anybody on the spot. But I would like to ask just like an 18-year-old or a 20-year-old some of these questions. What do you know about Armageddon? What do you know about the rapture? Do you think you'll get your wings when you go to heaven? Why are we not teaching our kids this stuff? Anybody have, I'm asking a question. Why do you think we don't do that? I've got one reason I think we don't. What do you think? Anybody? Because we don't understand it ourselves. (laughs) How do you teach your kids something you don't even know about? See, here's what we like to do. I think I said this two weeks ago. This world likes to send their kids to school to get their education and send their kids to church, and y'all get your church there. Well, what about the home? You know where that's where children are supposed to be taught and reared up is in the home? You know the Bible talks to the fathers that it's your responsibility to make sure that the children are taught and brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? That's the father's responsibility. Now, most homeschool parents are what? Fathers or mothers? Mothers. Is there anything wrong with that? No. There's not. A mother's very nurturing. Most of the time, it's the father that goes out and makes the living. But guess what? The father should be encouraging that mother. And it's still the father's responsibility to make sure it's done properly. The Bible says, says the fathers are held accountable. So, I just, it, it, it's very, I wish you could go teach uh, a young adult class. And you will see, you know the, the verse in the Bible that says judgment begins at the house of God? You'll see where we as the church, we have failed our young people. We failed them. There were kids in a uh, teenage Sunday school class that could not tell me who killed Goliath. Now, did you hear what I said? I didn't go out to a school and pluck some kids out and ask them. This was in a Baptist church teenage, so I'm not talking about toddlers. Sunday school class, and they could not tell me who killed Goliath. They had no clue who Barnabas was. They knew nothing about Paul. What are we teaching our kids? And I don't mean necessarily our church. Our church is definitely in view here. But I mean as a church, as a whole, what are are our churches teaching our children? I've been in Sunday school classes before, Andrew has too, where we went in, and you know what was talked about the entire class? The football game the day before. And I love football. But that's not what a Sunday school class is for. So, like Warren said, and Miss Peggy said it, I don't don't know how old she is, and I'm not going to guess in case she's watching, but... She said she's only heard this taught one time in her life. And I'm going to tell you, as a teacher, (laughs) it makes you want to get up under a pew somewhere. Because I don't understand a lot of this stuff. So don't get mad at me when I say I don't know. (laughs) say something else but I think the Lord took it from my mind (laughs) I believe with all my heart that if you go back there in those classes right now our kids are being taught right I know what they're teaching them I see the material Brianna and Hayden now the other class (laughs) Brian's class I mean what do you think Misty (laughs) they're being taught about Calvinism yeah probably (laughs) Probably so. Brian does a great job. I'm I'm very happy. Oh, I know what I was going to say. And every time I I see visitors come to the church with children, I wonder if they're thinking this. People have said this before. What kind of programs do you have for my kids? That burns me up. I understand what they're asking. They want their kids to be involved. There's nothing wrong with that. But, Is it important that they have pizza and hot dog and popcorn, or is it important that they get taught the Word of God? What's more important? That's for you to decide as a parent. But, okay, so (laughs) Armageddon. We're going to talk about Armageddon later. But before this battle takes place, there's another vial to be poured out. Let me see what time it is very few minutes. Revelation 16:17 And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, "It is done." Revelation 16:18 And there were voices and thunders and lightnings And there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake, and so great. You think that's literal? In 1556, the worst earthquake recorded in human history was in... Shanxi, China. (laughs) 8.0 on the Richter scale killed almost a million people. And the Bible says, to me, it's jumping out, that ain't nothing. Compared to this earthquake that occurs when this seventh vial is poured out. We've seen earthquakes before do things. We studied an earthquake in one of the last in one of the trumpets that changed the topography of the earth and that was nothing this one's worse in Isaiah 24 Isaiah says and the foundations of the earth do shake the earth is utterly broken down the earth is clean dissolved the earth is moved exceedingly the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage and the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it and it shall fall and not rise again remember that phrase And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. I think that's exactly what Isaiah is prophesying. This earthquake right here we just read about. It's going to change the topography again. I want to read the next verse. I want to get to it quickly. Look at verse 19. And the great city was divided into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. So what is the great city? It says the great city was divided into three parts. Well, It depends on who you read after. A lot of people say Babylon. I do not agree. Because right after that, it says, And great Babylon came in remembrance unto God. And the city of the nations fell. So what is the great city? I think it's Jerusalem. If you go read some of these other prophecies in Ezekiel and things like that, you'll see the topography of Israel has changed, mountains have been broke apart. When does that happen? I think it happens right here. The city is divided into three parts. The earthquake is so bad. And then it's also called the great city in those verses there, Revelation 11:8 and 21:10. Let me get past this. Look at this. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Whoa. Is that literal? Now, Chris, you have said every other one I've asked you was literal. It says every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Tyler, how in the world can a mountain not even be found? Yeah, you can't, I can't even imagine it. That's a serious earthquake. You can go study some of these other great earthquakes that have happened, and some of these, if you go look at Japan, it is sinking. Slowly, <laughs> but it's sinking. There are a whole lot of earthquakes that happen over there. It causes the continent or the landmass a lot of times to sink. So, does it really mean that there are no more high places? Think about that. There are no more mountains. Now, if they sink, what happens to all the other places that are lower than them? They sink as well. And if all the mountains are gone, guess what? Everything's underwater. That's not going to happen. Why is that not going to We know that's not going to happen. Why? Nobody knows why. Why everything will not be underwater again? God said it wouldn't happen. He said, I'm not going to destroy the earth with water anymore. Never again will the entire earth be covered with water. So we know that that's not going to happen. I think what it's talking about, though, is the mountains we know of today are going to be gone. Now, we've talked about before, the United States is not even mentioned in the end times. So I was going to say, you know, the Rocky Mountains and things like that, they will be no more. The Appalachian Mountains, they'll be mountains no more. But I don't even know if we'll, I don't even know what's going to happen. And that's not doom and gloom. I'm just saying I don't see the United States in the end times. So I'm not sure what happens. Something happens. If we were the world power we are today, we'd be talked about. So something happens. I'm not sure what. But some of these mountains over in the Middle East that are mountains today will not be mountains anymore. The Himalayas, that's not going to be a mountain range anymore. Not after this earthquake. What's that? Mount Everest. It's going to destroy and change the topography of the whole earth. Why is this happening? Why is it happening? Is it because there's a God in heaven who is just so mean that he wants to do this to the people of the earth? Of course not. It's judgment. It's judgment on ungodly men. So, we'll finish up the tribulation next week. Um, Let me see here. We've only got a couple more verses. And then we're going to talk about Chapter 17, it talks about John saw a woman sitting on a scarlet-colored beast with seven heads and ten horns. We're going to talk about what that might mean. But that's it as far as destruction. We've been through it all. I know you probably forgot most of it, but that was a long time ago, almost 16 months ago. But we've been through it all. The earth's completely changed. God's judgment is raining down on this earth. But the good thing is, is that if you're saved today, you ain't got to worry about it for yourself. But now all my family's not saved. I want to see them saved before this happens. Because we're only talking about seven years. They might be here when this earthquake happens. I don't have any idea. I don't want them to risk it all right let's dismiss in prayer father thank you for this day thank you lord for your blessings thank you for this time to look in your word lord we know that the scripture reread lord is what's important and and lord my, my commentary is not uh nor is any other man's lord we thank you for your word and we thank you for lord how you open your word up to us and god we thank you for those things you reveal to us and let us understand and those things we don't understand lord we trust you with lord i pray that you'd bless our church family Lord, there are those that are hurting today. God, would you please help them? Lord, those have comfort, uh, comfort those who have lost loved ones, Lord. Lord, those that are sick, I pray that you would heal them, Lord, if it be thy will. Lord, be with those that are lost today. God, I pray that you'd convict their hearts and they'd see their need for a Savior. They'd come to know you before it's too late. Lord, thank you again for letting us be here. Bless the rest of the service. Help Greg as he leads the singing. Help those that will sing the special. Help Brother Kevin as he preaches. Lord, I pray you'll give us a good day together. In Jesus' name, amen.